Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A pioneer in the cultural beauty space and the founder of Kulfi Beauty, Priyanka Ganju has a vision to present an empowered South Asian narrative to the world. And in this episode, we'll learn exactly how she does it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable in Maine a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder, keen to learn and connect with fellow founders of beauty brands around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to inspire and hopefully help each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious to know how to build brands, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce you our guest for today, a trailblazer in the inclusive beauty space, Priyanka Ganju. Priyanka Ganju is a pioneer in the cultural beauty space and the founder of Kufi Beauty, a beauty brand with a vision to present to the world an empowered South Asian who is not only comfortable in their own skin, but thriving in it. And I absolutely love it. For years, Priyanka has helped established brands grow their business, but never saw South Asians represented at the forefront. So she searched for brands that centered and most importantly, celebrated South Asians in its narrative. So finally, she left the corporate world and Kulfi Beauty was born. Priyanka, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And I'm so excited to get straight into this. Thanks, Akash. It's such a wonderful honor to be here and to share our journey with you. I'm really excited. So Priyanka, the question I ask everyone when they first join, it's pretty um, standard, but I think it's an important one, is who is Priyanka in a nutshell? I think I'm a creative person who isn't happy or satisfied with just status quo. I like to you know, keep pushing the boundaries of uh, what I can achieve from a personal perspective, but then also uh, seeing things around me and seeing what I can change for the better. I love that. And honestly, truly what you've done today, I can see that in its heart form. So yeah, I'm just so excited to see another South Asian take on the beauty industry and just be their authentic selves. And we've had the fortune to, you know, be a part of a few clubhouses together and interviews together. And I'm, yeah, I just can't wait for the world to get to know Priyanka. So I know your journey has been 
quite interesting, similar to mine a bit. You were in the corporate world um, working for some incredible companies like Ipsy and Esplora companies as well, like myself. Can you talk a bit about your journey in those companies? Yeah, absolutely. So I worked in the beauty industry for about six years. I was at Estee Lauder where uh, I helped with retail strategy and I was working closely with Mac and Clinique and then uh, went to Ipsy. And this was back in 2015, uh, early 2016, where not Ipsy was still a very small name in the industry, but I felt that they were at the forefront of where the beauty industry was heading, which was, you know, really using creators as a way to um, market as well as introduce beauty as well as using personalization in their product. And so I wanted, I just wanted to be at the forefront and I was like, just give me whatever job you have. And then, you know, I got really, really lucky because the job they had was merchandising and merchandising is really at the heart of what happens in any beauty retailer, which is, you know, figuring out what's the next best thing and what would match your, you know, customers' needs. And that's where I was really introduced to the indie beauty revolution. I was constantly, every week, we would test like hundreds of new beauty products and brands. And it was amazing in the past five years seeing that a lot of the beauty industry had, you know, gone through that democratization because of the indie beauty revolution. But at the same time, I kept waiting for that one brand that celebrated South Asian beauty and celebrated, you know, South Asian culture and represented who I was. And despite seeing all of these brands, I couldn't find a single one. And that's really what led me to be like, you know what, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to try to do it myself. What's really interesting is that jump that you had to do, because I think a lot of people have similar stories to yourself and even myself where they've been working in corporate for quite long and they still currently do. But it is really difficult to take that jump because there's risks involved and there's financial struggles involved and, you know, the whole shabam. So just what was your what was that pushing point or that turning point for you that made you say, look, I'm leaving because it's all good in your head. But the reality of resigning or pushing that button is a lot difficult. Right. So how do you do it? Yeah, it's, a, it's it definitely is really hard. It's not something you just wake up and do one day. Uh, I had been thinking about this space for like two years, I think. And so it was an idea that wouldn't leave my head. And I think that to me was like an indication of this is not something like a passing idea because, you know, you have I have ideas every day, as I'm sure you do, too, as an entrepreneur. But, uh, you know, this was something that just like kept being like something that was at the back of my head. And um, finally, at that point, when I left, I felt like if I don't do it now, when will I do it? And so uh, I did have some of the logistical elements also line up. So I had some savings that I had saved through my corporate career journey. And so I knew I could support myself for a little bit and also invest in this brand upfront, uh, put in some money to bootstrap. Um, and I also felt like I had a supportive community in terms of the people I knew and the, you know, the relationships I'd built in the beauty industry who could help me get started. And so I do think those things align. And, you know, ultimately, you just have to take that jump or take that leap, right? You, everything's not going to be perfect. You just have to believe that you'll figure it out. So then you made the jump, which uh, I now understand. And I had the same exact experience. But um, did you find that you had to do a lot of research? And I think I read in an article, so I'm kind of also saying this because I kind of know the answer already, but you did some kind of, 
I don't know how many surveys did you do and how many industry experts did you meet before you started? So there is a lot of homework and work done behind the scenes before, you know, starting the brand. So tell me about that. I did spend a lot of time researching um, about a year after I left my job because I felt that even though I had in my you know, mind this idea of that I want to build a platform that celebrates South Asian people till I actually spoke to people and did, really understood what the need is, I wouldn't be able to do it justice. And so I spent uh, months and months and months like uh, doing surveys, doing focus groups, and we continue to do that. Actually, we're going to do a focus group next week as well uh, to understand really from people what that product gap was. And what was really interesting was that initially I was really focused on, okay, what are the products that you don't really um, have in the market? But very soon I realized that what was really missing was that what I like to call emotional gap, which is really the fact that most of us didn't feel beautiful growing up and we didn't feel represented. And that's really where a lot of the, I would say, soul of our company comes from those interactions, because I realized that more than product, it's it's about that celebration. It is about that representation. Uh, and I think that market research that we did in the beginning and continue to do with our community has made has made all the difference in us being able to build a brand that truly resonates with the community. And, you know, when you did your surveys and stuff, was it something that you've kind of taken from corporate learnings and systems, you know, these big companies that do it, or was it just you in a, in a, in your, in your room, just deciding on the questions you wanted to ask? And yeah. It was very much just me. I, there was no market research agency involved. It was very much me getting on a phone call with people, meeting one-on-one -on -one with people in coffee shops. Uh, you know, everything was very much me interacting with people. And these, some of these people actually became our early supporters and you know, followers. And they're still, they still follow our journey. And I think I, I just love that that we were able to build that community through those in-person interactions because, and I often say this, I think like our world has definitely, you know, there's all these algorithms and all these like, uh, you know, machine learning things that are taking over retail, but ultimately like beauty is such a personal, um, personal space. It's, it's such an emotional connection. And I feel like we were able to build that through those conversations and at the same time, learn what actually matters to, to the consumer today. Exactly. I'm guessing you got a lot of no's and a lot of, you know, because you're knocking on people's, well, inboxes, should we say, um, and uh, you either get no replies or um, people kind of saying yes, but flaking or even not or just saying no. Um, what was that like? like? How did you stay motivated to like just continue messaging? And how do you find that balance between not being intrusive, but also, you know, how do you do how do you do that? Yeah, there was an interesting um dichotomy or like disconnect between what was happening when I reached out to potential consumers. They loved speaking about beauty and, you know, people are so engaged and want to help out. And they send me so many supportive messages like we really need something like this. And when I spoke to industry executives, investors, that's when I heard all the no's, you know, especially because by the time I started reaching out to industry executives, um, we were the uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And so people were like, oh, color cosmetics, nobody cares about it, launch a skincare brand or make it about all people of color and all of these like generic things that you read off of industry reports, uh, as opposed to really having a sense of what matters to the consumer. And so that was extremely discouraging, honestly, because 
having come from a corporate background and having all those relationships meant that I got that first meeting most of the time because people were like, oh, maybe she has something interesting to say. But the moment they came into the meeting, they had their own views of what would make a successful brand. And I think uh, just hearing those no's was, um, you know, discouraging, but in a way, hearing all of that excitement from the consumer gave me that conviction and motivation. I used to actually save like messages people sent me and, you know, put, uh, you know, either share them on my social and save it on a highlight or just like share it on my, like save it on my desktop because in the morning, if I felt like, you know, I had a bad meeting, I'd open up the message and be like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. It doesn't matter what the investors or, you know, the beauty industry is saying because clearly they don't see the, see the need. And that's why the beauty industry is the way it is because they don't see the need. I, I, you know, I have a little thing. I do this exact same. It's so funny you say that. And I call them like, it depends where the source is from. Is it from like friends or cust- I call them like customer mantras or like friend mantras. And I kind of keep them the best with me because it's, you eat as an entrepreneur, you're going to get so many ups and downs. And during the times of downs, those messages and those kind of keepsakes are what keeps you not only grounded, but motivated to continue doing what you're doing. Cause it's bigger than us. You know, half the time when you make a good brand and it's growing, it's no longer you, you have your company, you have your consumers, you have your retailers, you have everyone and you're doing it for them, not just your own self and ego. So yeah, completely resonate with that. So I love that. I think one of the things you have to get comfortable with is that not everyone's going to love what you're doing, right? And it's okay. The fact that some people don't like what you're doing is a good sign. Like some people were, you know, really questioning why we used uh, certain models or why we, you know, have such a colorful brand because, you know, there's a, there's definitely like a standard of Eurocentric beauty that people are so used to seeing. Um, and, it's okay. I, at some point I was like, I'm okay with the fact that you don't like my brand or you don't like what I'm doing because you're not the customer that you're not my customer. And I think it's okay to be disliked by some people and being comfortable with that. I think it's such an important point you raise because we're so obsessed with just like reaching as many people as possible and making everyone happy, but that's actually statistically impossible if you really think about it. So um, I think that's so important to just keep that in your mind. So you, you don't get to as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, you don't get too worked up by that because it's not productive to your well-being. But so, you know, now you, you, you had your no, you had your, your reasons and you had also some kind of data backing. So Kofi Beauty was born. And I think everyone, I know the story, but I would love for you to share why the name Kofi um, and why, what it means to people in India. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, what is your personal experience with Kulfi before before I jump into my answer? So I, I knew definitely what Kulfi, I'm not going to let you say, but I knew what Kulfi was. And for me, it was the first thing that came up was colors and and good memories. And, as, and I think as the main word you said is celebration. So I got it instantly. But at the same time, I was kind of like, damn it, Frank is a genius. Like that's such a catchy name. Like it's so easily pronounced in every kind of culture that it's not like, and you have to think about that, right? Because when you go into retail, especially in other countries, um, we had to kill so many names because it was like, yeah, but the average person won't know how to pronounce it. They won't know what it means. You'd get it as an Indian. So I had to like, you know, edit, but Kulfi, love it. But tell everyone why Kulfi. (laughs) I love that. And thank you so much for like, explaining the emotional connection with it. So kulfi is a South Asian dessert that's most similar to ice cream. And like Aka said, it's colorful. It's like always there when there's a celebration. It's uh, nostalgic too, because I think a lot of us have 
pleasant memories like growing up and you know having kofi in in you know with mango or like with in the summer and that's really why i named it that you know for me our brand is a lot about making beauty fun and approachable and those were things that i didn't feel growing up you know i always felt like i wasn't invited or welcome in beauty because i didn't feel like one of the pretty girls or that there was like a lot of judgment coming along with using makeup using beauty products and i wanted to completely shift that approach and so to make it fun approachable playful and so i was like thinking back to the moments in my life when i felt like i felt those that way like carefree and happy and i remembered kofi and eating kofi on a hot summer day in delhi and that's really where the name comes from it's that feeling of like joy you get when you have like the ice cream truck come around and uh you're you're eating ice cream with your friends i love it and you know you mentioned a lot about emotional connection and i think there's such a big powerful world that i actually haven't had many entrepreneurs um say emotional you know connections connecting to brands it's really um something a bit different so can you just talk a bit about why you know i know there's a connection between kulfi to you and you growing up but why did you feel the need or the want to bring it to a beauty brand because sometimes some people would say you know what that's your personal journey but will it be translated to your consumer um so why and yeah why why the emotional was so important i love it but why Yeah, absolutely. So I actually wanted to start with complexion uh and concealer specifically and that's going to be our next product. But in my market research what I found was that a product that was in everyone's makeup kit that people had some story or emotional connection to was Kajal. It was one of those like staples in everyone's beauty wardrobe that no one had really reimagined for our generation and um that's really where like for me that idea struck of like hey like why don't we create kajal but then do it in a way that is a best in class formula and shares our you know brand story around self expression and so while we obviously have the traditional black and it's a beautiful creamy beautifully deeply pigmented black that never looks gray on brown skin uh we also came up with colors right and the colors really represent what we want to share with the brand our campaign is called nazar no more and the idea there was to say nazar or evil eye is traditionally traditionally like kajal has been used to ward off evil eyes so for uh people who are not familiar with the tradition you know when you're born your uh you know grandparents would typically dock you with black kajal eyeliner just to ward off evil eye and that's the tradition but we're saying we can use kajal for more than that we can use beauty to express ourselves with colors with shapes with designs and we really wanted to send that message of self expression so it ended up becoming like just the just the perfect perfect product to launch with because people immediately resonated with it and uh you know the the colors now are you know some of some of the beauty editors just love some of the colors and um I agree with you I think you can have I think it's good to have we have a PR agency so it's good to have people who are experts in their space kind of navigate that space but beauty editors get like pitched thousands of brands and thousands of products so they're not going to talk about a product till they actually believe in it because it's their personal credibility as well that's at stake when they write an article so um you know our pr is is a combination of you know of course having the help we needed to navigate that landscape but also just having a great product a great brand and a great story and also like you know you know the the realities of the industry and the beauty industry where it comes to certain things a lot of my friends if i do focus groups or even consumers of beauty brands 
only when you start the journey do you realize the realities of trademarks and everything's been in class three taken. So, you know, you might have had all those typical names, but it's just impossible to even launch a brand today with that. So there are certain things that you just have to like make your own decisions as well. That can't be, as you said, always focus grouped, but also something that also ties it to you because I think having a piece of you, and that's why I really believe in founder led businesses is people connect more when it's a bit, when it's more personal, when there's more founders involved and it's not so stale, like a typical corporation that, um, people now are becoming very wary about, right? So Yeah, absolutely. And I think like with the trademark stuff, South Asian beauty founders have such can have such a great time because every French word is trademarked. So, you know, like if you're building a Eurocentric brand, you probably won't have a name available. But, you know, if you're South Asian and you have, the, we have so many beautiful languages and words that you can use. Yeah. We, we, so to everyone who's listening to South Asian, you know, and you're thinking of creating a beauty brand, go crazy but we should be careful because we are also we, we also will be wanting some of those trademarks for our brands because even um you know not just the brand itself but you've got to think about the SKUs. some of them especially if you have some franchises within them you would want to get them trademarked we've got holy roots trademark within fable and main and you know so it's an ongoing definitely uh understanding your ipos and all the peer all that kind of stuff is very very important i would say so um no, couldn't agree more. So then Kulfi, um, Kulfi Beauty, which for me has so much emotion, so much meaning. You've really translated that to your products. So right now you've launched the eyeliners, which are not only beautiful. I, I think I see them in every single major article. I was, I was about to ask, like, you know, I think it's not just people say it's good PR and whatever. I said, no, it's good products. It's when the products are good, they would let them soar themselves and honestly what you've created is phenomenal um so why did you start with eyeliners and what's your kind of mpd process going to look like or if you can say yeah absolutely so i actually wanted to start with complexion uh and concealer specifically and that's going to be our next product but in my market research what i found was that a product that was in everyone's makeup kit that people had some story or emotional connection to was Kajal. It was one of those like staples in everyone's beauty wardrobe that no one had really reimagined for our generation. And um, that's really where like, for me, that idea struck of like, hey, like, why don't we create Kajal, but then do it in a way that is a best in class formula and shares our you know brand story around self-expression. And so while we obviously have the traditional black and it's a beautiful, creamy, beautifully deeply pigmented black that never looks gray on brown skin, uh, we also came up with colors, right? And the colors really represent what we want to share with the brand. Our campaign is called Nazar No More. And the idea there was to say Nazar or evil eye is traditionally... Traditionally, like Kajal has been used to ward off evil eyes. So for uh, people who are not familiar with the tradition, you know, when you're born, your, uh, you know, grandparents will typically dock you with black Kajal eyeliner just to ward off evil eye. And that's the tradition. But we're saying we can use Kajal for more than that. We can use beauty to express ourselves with colors, with shapes, with designs. And we really wanted to send that message of self-expression. So it ended up becoming like just the, just the perfect, perfect product launch with because people immediately resonated with it and uh you know the the colors now are you know some of some of the beauty editors just love some of the colors and um i agree with you i think you can have 
I think it's good to have, we have a PR agency, so it's good to have people who are experts in their space kind of navigate that space. But beauty editors get like pitched thousands of brands and thousands of products. So they're not going to talk about a product till they actually believe in it because it's their personal credibility as well. That's at stake when they write an article. So, um, you know, our PR is, is a combination of, you know, of course, having the help we needed to navigate that landscape, but also just having a great product, a great brand and a great story. Definitely. And I think a lot of people who have a brand, um, you have to sometimes pay for a good PR agency because they're the ones who are your vehicles into the editor's hands um, and they filter some of those editors. You know, they can't get, they don't want to, especially with COVID, they don't want to accept a thousand products from their homes. So a lot of people who are kind of saying, how do you get all this incredible Forbes articles and this articles? I say, you look, you know, it is definitely putting the coin with a good PR agency, but without a good brand, a good story, an authentic why and reason, then that also goes hand in hand. You have to have both and, you know, um, doesn't go one without the other, if that makes sense. So fully agree with what, exactly what you said. It's so important. But, you know, with, with Kulfi Beauty, you, you definitely, you know, had the, I guess you could say the cards against you, similar to Fable in Maine, because we launched during the pandemic. Um, and I say this mainly from a specific reason, not because of, you know, retail, because everything shifted on online and not because of demand, because yes, people were still buying beauty, but because of production. And I think people don't realize the world's production, you know, um, the whole industry has really suffered from the shipping costs increasing three to four times, from lead times increasing like no one's business and just finding and sourcing raw materials because either the giant companies were stockpiling or people weren't really producing as much because of new COVID rules and, and regulations in, in factories and labs. So I'm curious as a founder as well, who's had similar issues, did you have issues with production and has that been something you found interesting to navigate around? Oh, absolutely. Our timeline for the Kajal production shifted, I think, three or four times. We were originally going to launch in October 2020. And that's when I thought I'd kept enough of a buffer. And, you know, in the end, we only got the product in January of 2021. Um, I especially remember my mom joked, like, how long does it take you to, like, build one Kajal? You know, she was like, I can make it in my kitchen in, like, two seconds. <laughs> But uh, there definitely were production issues, uh, you know, and honestly, it was at the end, it ended up being like really just recognizing that the, the, the world is going through an unprecedented time right now and you can't control everything um, and letting, you know, continuing to trust in our manufacturers and working with them to figure out like, how can we best like get to a place where we can produce? Because um, not only were they not in the lab and, you know, production wasn't happening, there was a plastic parts shortage. So, you know, we had challenges with some of our cap colors and, you know, you just have to kind of work with them and, you know, figure out what's the best way to go forward. Um, I even considered launching with a few shades first where we had all the parts before launching others, but thankfully, you know, it worked out and we were able to launch all five together, but you have to make those, you always have to have that plan B and plan C and plan D um, and just continue to move forward. Amazing. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? 
Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, so in terms of, um, I know you touched upon it before with you were kind of, I think you used your own personal funds um, and your savings from your corporate career, uh, which honestly, kudos to you because it takes a lot of guts and risks to kind of do that. But when you're passionate about something, I completely understand it's really, why would you do anything otherwise? Because if you believe in it so much, you would invest your own money first before going to others. And I think that's a very important gesture of how much you believe in your brand and your own potential. Um, but obviously there's a limit to that where your savings can only um, fund certain map productions, especially if you're growing, you need more. So did you end up going around, um, I think, you know, uh, about maybe angel investors or friends and family rounds? Like, what was that process like, especially for those listening who are on a similar journey or want to go on a similar journey where they have funds or savings for a certain amount? What was phase two like for you? Yeah, so um, I agree with you. I think being able to put in your own money and that doesn't have to be, you know, a lot. It can be whatever you can afford at the moment. Definitely goes a long way in showing your commitment and also just gets you started, right? So you can start like putting together the pieces. And so we ended, so I had put in $160,000 of my own money up front and that helped us get through that first production run and, you know, a lot of uh, other uh, pieces like the brand identity building, uh, website building, et cetera. But I knew to fund our operations this year, we needed more money because, you know, we we would want to expand and grow and invest in the future launches. And so I ended up raising a friends and family angel round and that was extremely challenging because I did it before we launched. So my advice to someone who is, you know, in that process is that ideally do it just after you launch, because the moment we launched, I started getting so many inbounds, but I'd already closed the round by then. And it was such a different kind of like night and day experience from like me chasing investors before we launch and them completely like brushing me off versus as soon as we launched, like me being chased by investors and then me being like, you know, hold on, I, I don't need you right now. So uh, if you can get to, <laughs> if you can get to launch with your own money, I think that is ideal, but you know, sometimes it doesn't happen in my case, I did need that cash earlier. And so I, I, I ended up doing that um, pre-seed round um, and it was helpful to, 
have people who were in the industry um, invest in, in me as well. So, you know, you know, going after or like talking to other entrepreneurs in the same space sometimes can be helpful because, you know, they, if they're very well established, they'll not only bring the money, but also bring in their networks and expertise. And that's helped us a lot. Definitely. No. And I think, as you said, it's, it is always best to, if you can delay, because obviously the, the, the more you've got on kind of PR results and some sales history and even retail distribution, the less equity you'll give or stake you'll give for hopefully more funds. But again, no, you know, you have to do what you can do. And that's the most important is, is, you know, just doing what you can, but the power of a brand book is the most important thing. I mean, that's what you, that was your, probably your Bible before you launched was the concept. Cause that's all people could go by maybe a sample here and there. But I always say to anyone thinking of creating a brand, um, Honestly, I don't know if you're the same Priyanka, but like before you, I, I didn't even make, make a business plan or financials. I just made a brand book and that was my thing. But did you have the same experience? Or? Yeah, it was very much consumer research and then building out the brand. Like the business plan will follow. I don't think there's a point in making a business plan until you know what, you, what kind of, what, you, what do you have to offer to the world? Exactly. And that's something that probably, um, I, I never studied um, business or entrepreneurship. I did engineering. So I never was taught, that probably is a, the school way of making a business plan first. But honestly, Business is so fun because it's really your way and you, you can create your own. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's simple when you think about it, where you're selling a product, you're going to make it for X amount. You've got to sell it for Y amount. You're going to make some profit between X and Y. Then the way you do it, have fun, go, you know, do it your way. But obviously um, listen to other entrepreneurs who've made similar mistakes or similar successes. So you can then avoid and repeat when, when you want. But um, yeah, it's very important to just, don't put too much pressure on yourself when you're starting. The biggest advice I would say is just, just start, just do it. Because if you don't, you will just keep on waiting. Um, I'm sure you'll say the same Priyanka, right? Just, you have to just start working on your brand. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think sometimes, especially if you've gone through the corporate school of thought, it can be easy to like theorize and strategize everything. And honestly, it's just about like, just try it, try it, see if it works great if it doesn't work you can try the next thing and that's what it is exactly so you know the pandemic hits and then i think we've all kind of found new hobbies or new sides of ourselves because we've been forced to or we've been lucky enough to see that what has the pandemic been like for you have you been working more than usual than you would have have you been taking more time for your own well-being what's your routine like during the pandemic <laughs> definitely been working much more than i uh, used to i my routine is completely thrown off to be honest and i find myself i'm trying to get better at it but i used to like roll out of bed and then immediately check my email and check social and check like what's going on with the business and then do that till I'm like back in bed and and it's uh, I've been really trying to make an effort to bring back those habits from before where I used to walk every day like to work before I you know started working on my own business I used to train regularly at the gym and all of those things have kind of gone out of the window and I'm trying to slowly bring them back and you know find more balance or find kind of more of that uh, time for self-care it can be very easy to be seduced by work because there's always something to do. And, um, but I do think it's important if you want to build a sustainable career in whatever you're doing is to kind of face yourself. And, and, you know, honestly, there's no rush. Like 
I've had, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, what's next? Are you launching new products? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And I'm just like, there's no rush. We're going to like do it at our pace, at the pace that feels right. And, um, you know, build a brand that's, you know, going to, going to be around for a long time because we're, we don't have to like prove everything every week. Exactly. No, um, because what were you, were you part of a, the Sephora Accelerate program and then what was that like? And then what's your plans for retail now? Are you going to be more direct to consumer focused or will you do retail soon? We were part of Sephora Accelerate. We were one of the eight brands. It was an amazing experience, honestly, uh, both meeting the Sephora team and the founders that have been successful at Sephora before. You know, we heard from uh, Vicky Sai from Tatcha and uh, Nancy Twine from Briogeo, among others, but also the cohort of brand founders. They're all amazing. And, you know, now we have a WhatsApp group and, you know, it's always fun to kind of like keep up with the cohort as well and just, you know, uh, build that relationship. So it's, it was an amazing experience. And we are right now uh, in conversation with them around retail uh, and sort of what that would look like. Uh, so that's definitely on the cards. Uh, nothing uh, that I can confirm right now because we're still in conversation. Uh, but for now, we're really focused on D2C. I do think D2C will, is and will continue to remain a big focus for us because we want to build that direct consumer relationship. So um, yeah, right now you can find us at kofibeauty.com. And where do you, do you ship? Uh, like how, where, which countries do you currently ship to? Only in the US. Uh, that this is definitely a big pain point. I, we get a lot of uh, requests from Canada for sure, UK, India, uh, Singapore, which I'm sure you've experienced as well. But you know, we're trying to figure out international shipping step by step, and um, I also want to make sure that whatever we offer, we can kind of scale that right. And I think that's where I'm hesitant to offer international shipping too early before we have the operational processes in place uh but if you if akash if you have any advice on international shipping or contacts please let me know because i would love to get that kicked off we'll, we'll do a talk, we'll do a call offline I'll, i i got you there trust me I, I have just done the whole shabam so i i will tell you what to do um because it, there are some companies there are some ways um but that that's the thing as well like for anyone listening just you know if you're having any kind of within your own business even if it's a complete different industry just ask specific questions to other entrepreneurs out there and you'll be surprised because that's how I've learned, right? Is like by asking someone and they've helped me with what they do. And likewise, you know, I think it's all about sharing to, to make everyone, you know, you, you don't, you, you, you help each other because then they will help someone else and help someone else. And the industry just becomes so much more collaborative. And I think that's so important. Um, and we learn from each other. That's the best way to, to do it because for shipping, I made so many mistakes, you know, I went straight to like, let's go global. And then it's like, no, let's go not global. And then, you know, now we have Brexit and duties and should we, you know, it, it's, it's a big thing. And I think uh, we are also currently with Fabian and Maine. I think our biggest issue right now is, is that balance between going down retail where we get distribution in certain markets or delivering D2C there, but with increased shipping costs and without the kind of the best return policies that retails would offer, um, and some countries like India, where I'm sure you have the same, because we're a South Asian owned brand, it's something that, of course, from day one was my dream to be in India. But with the pandemic and with there's you know certain retailers like Nike and the only few out there that we could rely on and we are currently in talks with, it's difficult. So it's that kind of 
being patient with the fact that we're small companies, we can only do so much as we can, but the goal is obviously to be as international and global as possible. I'm sure Priyanka, you're, you're saying the exact same thing to all your, um, your DMs that you're getting, where, when are you going to ship to my country? Absolutely. So, so similar. And I, and I also agree with you around like collaborating because I do think that especially in the South Asian beauty space, it's such a new space in a way. Like I don't think even the term South Asian beauty existed till a few years ago. And so uh, we're actually creating this demand and we're creating this market. So the more we can collaborate, actually it's going to benefit all of us because now this has a space in, in the beauty industry overall. So I, I love that and definitely hitting you up for shipping advice because I uh, yeah like like you said there's we get so many DMs and uh, I, it almost I want to be in all those places I have such a I mean I, obviously I grew up in India I lived in Singapore for like seven years before moving to the US so I have like these deep personal connections with these these places and um, it's uh, I feel sad that I can't be there from day one no don't worry. I, I got you don't worry Priyanka, I think we spoke a lot about Coffee Beauty, um, but I want to know a bit more about Priyanka Ganjo. I want to know more about the founder behind this incredible brand. So I know you said like during the pandemic, work-life balance, just like, like myself, it's a bit not as consistent as you would like it to be, but it's getting there. It's getting there. But what are some of your hobbies? What are things that you like to do? on the side of work? Yeah, I um, love going on long walks. That's one of my things to, you know, calm down or like just to think about things or just to, I mean, New York is such a fun place um, to go on walks on because just because it's just, there's so many interesting people around all the time. And so that's something I like to do. Um, I um, also, I mean, what have... Honestly, there haven't been a lot of things that I've been doing off late. I like cooking occasionally. I'm not like a regular person who cooks, but again, I find it very therapeutic to actually like cook occasionally. Um, that's about it. And just hanging out with my friends, honestly. I don't have, um, I have a very close knit like group of friends as well as like my partner and just spending quality time with them kind of recharges me so um nothing fancy in terms of hobbies to be honest I wish I could say like I I like you know all of these fancy things but really it's it's very I'm very simple and low maintenance in that way amazing and for you would you say like you were like before the pandemic really into travel or has now like travel been something that you have done way less because the pandemic and are you more like okay now I'm more of a home person I want to stay like in my routine at home or are you dying to go on the plane oh my god I we I would we would travel so much before like I think in 29 like the year before the pandemic I was in Goa in Turkey in London in Hawaii like within a year uh, I also didn't have a job so it was easier right because I was like you could walk from anywhere yeah um <laughs> which was, I, I really, really enjoy that. But now I'm like a little bit hesitant uh, to plan out trips. I think partly because, you know, just being so used to not traveling and then also because we're seeing so many variants come out. It's just, there is that hesitance to get back on a plane. So um, right now I'm still on the side of like hesitant, but I do want to go back and like just travel. I think it's such a great way to just also, you know, 
find new experiences, meet new people. And, you know, I, I know that you uh, travel a lot. I follow you on social, so I see all of your adventures. So, it, it, you know, it's always so much fun to travel. Um, but I haven't ca- quite gotten back to it yet. When, when, when it comes, it will, it will start feeling back to normal. But yes, you're right. Right now, it's there's a lot more variants coming out. So we have to be careful and cautious. But once we can... Definitely. It's it's the most beautiful gift in the world is if you're able to travel to see different cultures and also what's inspiring our brands to continue growing because we're seeing different markets, we're seeing different demand, especially when you get into other markets. For me, like I'm just dying to come to US because I haven't even seen my products in store at Sephora since we launched, you know, and our production is in the USA. I haven't even seen my production line. So it's, um, but that's, I guess, to show you that you can really be anywhere in the world and build a brand. It doesn't matter. You can be probably in the Himalayas uh, meditating and you can still build your brand. So no excuse wherever you are, as long as you have a good Wi-Fi, you're good. Um, so one, speaking of travel, one question I ask pretty much every single guest is, um, I kind of use this analogy of TSA is opening up, travel's opening up, and um, they're being a little bit difficult though, that with your beauty products, they're saying only one product you can bring. And of course you're bringing your amazing coffee beauty product. So what's that one eyeliner shade that's your go-to shade for Priyanka? Oh, it's definitely uh, Tiger Queen. It's uh, this beautiful terracotta shade um, that I'm wearing right now, actually. Um, and it's it's my favorite go-to shade. And I also love the shade name. It's like everything I want to be when I look in the mirror, a Tiger Queen. I love it. I, I personally know, you know, no bias, but I love the name because Tigers is pretty much everything we do. So love it, love, love it. I think we need to find a way to collaborate on that because there's something cool we can do to help Tigers with Tiger Queen. So let's see what we can do on that. But um, no, I, I think uh, it's going to be hard to choose because all your colors are so beautiful. I know you have like purpley pataka and all these amazing colors and names. Uh, it's so cool what you've created, but I'm excited to see the next products you're going to launch soon. Like um, I think everyone needs to follow Coffee Beauty and um, Priyanka's um, Instagram, but we'll, we'll, at the end of the um, podcast, you'll share all the details to make sure everyone can follow you. Um, one question I also have before we go into some fire round questions, I think it's so important to kind of close on this is how do you really define success and what does success mean to you as you grow your business? Um, it's such a good question because I feel like, you know, especially with entrepreneurship, the way it's been defined by Silicon Valley and like, you know, uh, the typical model is like what valuation you can get and like what kind of like revenues you have and all of these like numbers driven success. And while that is meaningful as a business, of course, you want to hit the numbers. I feel like success to me is being able to build a platform and a business that can really empower our community. And that's both, of course, in front of the scenes, like in front of the camera with all of the you know imagery you see, but also behind the scenes, like who are our investors? Are we making sure we have our stakeholders uh, who are, you know, uh, uh, people of color, women of color, who are the teams that we're employing, who are the people that are benefiting from that entire ecosystem that we're creating. And I think that's where that to me success is like not just, of course, having a successful business from a metrics perspective, but also being able to support businesses around you, whether that's creatives or whether that's investors to be able to keep investing in that ecosystem because it builds forward, right? Then you have like 
you know, I, I think of like, for example, our creative director, Balo Patel, she and I work together on this brand. And it's been so amazing to see her grow her business as a creative director as well as our brand has done well. And I think that and she can then go and like work with other South Asian creatives. Right. And then we build that ecosystem and kind of continue paying it forward. That to me would be success. I love that. No, and you guys, what I love about, you know, you guys as a duo, but you specifically, you really put her in the forefront. You know, you mentioned her in the articles. You, you and she even messaged us as, as South Asians, and we've got to connect and how we connected with you. And that empowerment is so, so there. You, you don't just say it; you do it, and that's I think really important to just people to understand. It's not words behind Priyanka; they're actions. But I actually got goosebumps when you said behind the scenes because I think that's so important that you've actually said success to you is not just you know it's easy to say whatever you want on the forefront it's easy to say yeah we do this we do that because that's visible but behind the scenes if you put that as a forefront factor for success it's just so empowering so love 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 that Priyanka um thanks for sharing that because it's something that I'm definitely gonna keep and remember thanks for saying that I do think it's hard though like you know even finding investors for example who are women of color there's so few of them and they have so little um, you know, assets under management when they when they do exist. And then they're like even more hesitant to take a risk on a woman of color founder. And so I do think there is structurally, it's actually hard to make those, um, make those decisions, even with hiring, right? It's easier to just find like a candidate without necessarily considering, have I given uh, women of color a chance? But I do, I do think it's important because if we don't, as uh, you know, the new business leaders, then who will? Why will? Why will anyone make that change? So um, it it it's definitely rewarding when you when you do kind of keep to that commitment, even if it's harder. Definitely, and sometimes you might need to put a bit more work in. You might need to train a bit more, but it's worth that because you're putting it back into the ecosystem of correcting or recorrecting what kind of depression we were used to in the past and I know I've had that in my LVMH in my corporate career as being the only colored person in big comics meetings and boardroom meetings and it was thanks to my CEO taking a chance in this little Indian kid when I was 22 you know and um, you know hopefully that resonated in the industry a lot more because I was one of the only people of color and same as you I'm sure in Esther Lauder companies and Ipsy and you know you were growing that South Asian narrative and for us we need to carve the the way forward as well for other people of color women of color so i love that um so so this is what we will do and this is what we will continue to do so thank you um so now we're going to end with some fire round questions that i ask every single person um so i'm very curious to know your responses but quick answers top of your mind um what's another beauty brand you love don't need to say fable and main another one except kofi and fable <laughs> Uh, Edom is uh, the, is a skincare brand that my friends Marie and Alice just launched. They were also in Sephora Accelerate, and they do skincare for melanated skin. Love that! I'm gonna. I don't think I haven't. Is it? How do you spell Edom? E A D E M. Amazing! I'm gonna check that out. Um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? Oh, watching Korean dramas. <laughs> I'm, okay, well, I'm I'm a bit I'm similar, but I, I like Korean horror films. So maybe it's not the same thing. But, but they're, very different, very uh... <laughs> they're very different. Very different. They're very different. But Korean filmography is amazing. Yes. Um, what are you currently? 
watching or reading? I think you're probably watching Korean <laughs> K-drama, but what are you currently watching or reading? Um, I well, actually recently picked up the latest Kevin Kwan book. Um, I can't remember the title, but it's like another like rom-com. Uh, but I love that cross-cultural narratives and stories. Amazing. Yeah. Have you watched, um, I say this now because never have I ever just came out this season. I did. Yeah, I, 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 I marathoned it like two days good. ago. So as soon as it came out, I marathon watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite social media platform? I'm kind of really obsessed with TikTok right now. Um, it's so addictive and I'm I'm like eager to try it more and like do more with Kofi's TikTok as well. Definitely. No, I'm the same. Uh, I think who isn't right now? And um, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would you be? I'd be writing historical fiction. That's kind of my side thing. <laughs> Wow. I love, we didn't even get into that, but that's pretty cool. Love that. Um, well, guys, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up today. But on that note, I think I'm even more curious to know more about what you do on the side. So where can everyone follow you and find you, Priyanka? And where can they find Coffee Beauty as well? Yes. Yeah, so Coffee uh, on Instagram at coffee.beauty and then online at coffeebeauty.com. And personally, me uh, on Instagram at Priyanka Ganju amazing uh, all the links will also be in the in the description box where you can click directly to it Priyanka thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure um, and can't wait to continue our journey together and collaborate and hopefully get to meet in person too once this whole travel opens up absolutely uh, we'd love to meet in person and continue working together thank you so much for hosting me and I, I really enjoyed the conversation hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music podcast the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.